This is Biz. I'm a part-time working mom with two full-blown kids. And I'm Teresa. I have a family business, two young kids, and a toddler. This is a show about life after giving life. Don't listen with your kids, because there will be swears. This is One Bad Mother. This week on One Bad Mother, there is a limit to my power. Plus, nature comes to biz. Teresa has too much on her brain, and we talk to clinical psychologist Dr. Darcy Lockman about the myth of equal partnership. (laughs) I'm both looking forward to our discussion with our guest Mm -hmm. about the myth of equal partnership as parents and terrified. Yeah. I just sometimes want the curtain to stay up. Yeah. On that note, how are you, Teresa? (laughs) (laughs) I am okay. I lost my voice a little bit over the weekend, and it's back more today, but hopefully it stays with us for the duration (laughs) this morning. I had a moment yesterday. I was hanging out uh, with some friends, and a friend who I haven't seen in a while said, how are you doing? And I... Didn't start crying. Don't worry. Okay. But I was like, I honestly couldn't think of what the answer was. Mm. I was, and it wasn't like, I wasn't like trying to be dramatic or anything. I was just like, how am I? I don't know. Like, I need like a more specific question. Like, what's going on with this? Or what's happening with that? Like, I don't know overall. That's too hard. There's... Uh, That's a hard one. Yeah. Why don't we just do some division? <laughs> yeah. Like, to ask me about a thing. Yeah. And I think what is what is going on in retrospect is that I'm not in a crisis right now. Oh. Which is great. That's wonderful. I need some time where I'm not in a crisis. Okay. But because there isn't a crisis, and we've talked about yeah. being in a crisis on this show, I think multiple whole, times, yeah, multiple times, yeah. we had a whole show on it a while right. back. But like the appealing thing about being in a crisis is that that's all you have to think about. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's the thing right. that takes everything out of you. And yes, things fall to the wayside, and things are a mess otherwise. But you're dealing with a crisis. You're dealing yeah. with one thing. Right now, there isn't a crisis, but there are way too many things, which some could argue altogether could make a crisis when you put them all together. Sure. I can't keep track of what's going on. There's Mm. too many things for me to keep track of. I feel a little to the point of, like, being disoriented. Like, I probably need to get back into, like, meditation or something to, like, kind of try to focus a little bit. I feel really confused about what's happening. I feel also forgetful. Like, for the show, I try to keep track of uh, amazing slash interesting things that happen in my parenting life. And, like, for example, I I realized that the day before we recorded last week, I had this, like, crazy thing happen with Grace (laughs) at the park where she climbed a tree and got stuck in it. And we, like, almost had to call the fire department. And, like, a stranger ended up, like, climbing the tree and lifting her down. It was, like, a whole thing. Yeah. Really a whole thing. Like, really a thing. And I immediately (laughs) forgot about it. Like, we just went on with the play date after that. And, like, I immediately went on with my life. Like, that was just the thing that happened. Yeah. Whatever. there's a lot of stuff like that right now. And it's all happening way too fast and all at the same time. And, I mean, I feel like I'm going to wake up in five years and be Mm. like, where am I? Yeah. 
that's a real uh, thing that could happen. Yeah, I I definitely have have been am and constantly live in that place that we've talked about that on the show that it's like I know I'm supposed to have something to talk about, but I can't I can't tell you what happened last week. Yeah, like, like at I all. Know, I know like some stuff stuff happened. happened. I clearly got up, yeah. did stuff, and went back to bed and yeah. did it again. I just don't know. What? And then it's almost like an interrupting. It's like a walking dream. Okay. And then there are moments of reality that click in where you're like, oh, Gracie was stuck in a tree. Right. Like there's glimpses of the stuff that actually is happening that you already have kind of like faded away. Yes. And then you go right by, oh, that is something that happened. Yeah. We just did. Yeah. What? <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> well, that is. A place? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Here I am. There I you are. Maybe. Where am I? Where's Teresa? Where's <laughs> Teresa? How are you, Biz? I'm all right. Before I tell you about all the exciting things happening at my house, I want to give a shout out to my sister-in-law and brother-in-law and congratulate them on welcoming in their new baby, my newest nephew, Aww. Henrik Kai. That is a beautiful name. Thank you. Congratulations. It's all me. <laughs> Thank you, <laughs> Teresa. You chose the name. I did it. I had that baby. <laughs> so I just wanted to share, you know, when it rains, it pours. Mm-hmm. This weekend, multiple discoveries. Okay. okay. Uh, one, there's a beehive in our tree. Oh. Surprise. That's discovery yeah. one. Discovery. Are any of you allergic? Not that I'm aware of. Okay. Uh, it's way up high, too. Okay. It's like at the end of a branch, way up high. Okay. Two, we really need to call somebody to find out if something's living in our house, under oh. our house, because there are multiple signs like they uh, poop everywhere. Oh, yeah. Uh, and like holes dug out under fences mm. and just... Yeah, maybe, right? And then while exploring, and all of these things were discovered by my children, by the way. Oh, yeah. While going back to, like, look at where there may or may not be an animal, the kids are like, hey, mom, mama, come look at these bugs. So then I go around to the side of the house, and there are, like, two bug things happening, one bug thing is they're just all these tiny black bugs, like, all along the side of my house. Okay. Okay? That's, yeah. I mean, when I say a lot, I like mean. termites, maybe? They weren't termites. Okay. They're like little tiny beetly things. Okay. Okay. So that was <laughs> yeah. interesting. And then we realized we're standing. You know, have you ever seen, like, you're in the grass and you're, or the ground and you look down and, like, there's something disorienting and it's, like, ants or something? Yes. It's, like, so many ants? Yeah. Okay. They weren't ants. Okay. They were something else. And there were thousands. <laughs> like, in the wow. grass. And I was like, what's happening? So... First, yeah. I'm on the hunt for beekeeper okay. currently because yeah. apparently beekeepers are the best person yes. to come and remove the bees because they will then just introduce the bees into their own yeah. hives. Yes. So on the hunt for a beekeeper, okay. called 
The uh, animal exterminator, very pro, not exterminator, remover. Let me be very Pest clear. control? Remover. This okay. is a guy who like specializes in things that may live under your house. Okay. He came out and said he didn't think anything was under the house. He looked, couldn't find anything. Okay. But we do have a flea infestation under the house. And I'm like, if there's a flea infestation under the house. Something was And there. the poop. Yeah. And the digging. Yeah. Something at some point was definitely there. Yeah. He sealed it all off and okay. put a trap in there. Good. So we'll see. Okay. Day one, nobody in the trap. Okay. Then I called our actual exterminator to say we have apparently... Uh, flea infestation under the house, and these weird small bugs. Yeah. I'm going to need you to come. Yeah. So he was there this morning. Uh-huh. I just was like. It's so many. That was like so many. It was almost like, like that. should I be worried that this is the sign of the apocalypse? Right. Like, yeah. you know. Or just like nature is taking your house back. Yeah, it's taking like, my house back. Nature is like, no, we're yeah. going to need this I house. am so surprised that the house we live in is sealed enough that I have not seen these things in the house. This yeah. is what's amazing yeah, to me. Yeah, I know. I, of that course, have me uttered too. these yeah. words out loud now. Yeah, so, so now it's over. Yeah, because if you haven't seen them yet, that means they're just like congregating somewhere yeah. in a corner. So by the time you see one, it's too yeah. late. Yeah. And I wish I had the power to just wave my fingers and send them all away, which ties in nicely to what we're going to talk about today. And that is, there is a limit to my power. Please take a moment to remember, if you're friends of the hosts of One Bad Mother, you should assume that when we talk about other moms, we're talking about you. If you are married to the host of One Bad Mother, we definitely are talking about you. Nothing we say constitutes professional parenting advice. Ms. and Teresa's children are brilliant, lovely, and exceedingly extraordinary. Nothing said on this podcast about them implies otherwise. Teresa. Yes. We are parents. We possess the power to do anything. Is all knowing, all knowing, all seeing, all fixing, all providing. Yes. We have talked on the show in the past. Again, one of my favorite conversations was the crafting conversation. Oh, yeah. Which was also about like fixing. And and you had just said, I don't fix things for my children, right? Uh-huh. When it's broken, it's broken. Uh-huh. I mean, I'm not saying that was like the be-all and yeah. I mean, obviously. I do sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. But like, yeah. I, on the other hand, thrive yeah. fixing. Yes. There's almost nothing that cannot be fixed, mm-hmm. okay? Pros and cons to both sides of that yep. team. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Most of them resulting in therapy. So that sort of touched on when our children were very little, this like, the power that our children think we have or don't yeah. have, right? I, I feel like, you know, they, they know we feed them, right. right? We've been setting up this myth that we are all powerful. Yeah. Hey, do you have food? Great. Mm-hmm. Are you, did, is there a toy in the house? Yeah. Great, right? Are you cold? Are you Here's cold? a jacket. Here's a jacket. Yeah. Are your feet wet? Here's some socks. As they get a little older, I think the bar that they have set for what we are capable of doing, may be broken. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you. Mm-hmm. Do you think your children have realistic expectations <laughs> of what you can just do as their parent? You know, I actually think Grace has a pretty good feel <laughs> for what I'm capable of, and by that I mean 
she doesn't expect all that much of right. me at this point, <laughs> which I appreciate. Like, I feel like there's there have been times with her where I'm like, well, I can help you with that. Yeah. Or would you like, like, which is great. Oscar, <laughs> Oscar really, really is still in the developmental stage of my mom is God. Yeah. My mom runs the world. Yeah. Like, he really, like, I texted you. Please share the story. From the road. Yeah. I was driving Oscar to school, and he was telling me how much he wants to go to Egypt. And yeah. he has told me this a bunch of times over the last year. He just really wants to go to Egypt. I do, too. But he wants <laughs> to go to ancient Egypt. Ah. Like, and I've said, we can maybe go to Egypt at some point in your life. I don't really want to do that trip with you and your siblings when you guys are, like, your ages that you are now because it's a big long trip it's really far away it would be a lot of work and expensive and tiring and like a whole thing and it's better when you're older are the pyramids still there yes they're still there he really wants to go to ancient egypt he wants to time travel so we've talked about how that's not and he says i know that i know but you can just kind of tell that he still kind of thinks i can take him to ancient egypt yeah And what he told me the other day was specifically he really wants to go inside a sphinx. Sure. Like the sphinx. Yeah. The great sphinx. I guess it's the great sphinx. It is the great sphinx. But it's modeled after, well, okay. Okay. Look, there's a lot of theories about what that is. Okay. Ancient aliens. Okay. Go ahead. (laughs) So he wants to go in there and find many cats living there. Okay. I don't know where he got that idea or if that's anything. I don't really know much about this. This is not my area. But this okay. is constantly the thing that I'm saying to my kids is this is not my area. <laughs> I, I can't answer this for you. I don't know. The other thing he wants is not only for there to be lots of cats there, but he thinks he might be able to find some ancient honey. Oh. There. Okay. I don't. I don't know. Doesn't matter. But it's like. Doesn't matter it's like, where the information like, has come exactly. from. Exactly. And it's like once he gets going. He's like, well, I better be really specific about everything I want so that mom can get it right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, Because yeah. I want to get it. I want to lay it all out right now because I don't want to find out later that mom takes me to Egypt, but we don't get the ancient honey. Right. Like, I'm going to make sure. And there's so many things like that. Yo, and it's there's... like, what I. it was so funny to me. Yeah. But then I was also like. But I'm going to have to, like, let him down and explain to him that, like, the, none of this is in my power. Right. None of it. None of it. Yet. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> what? You guys can't travel? I take my children back to ancient Egypt every day. <laughs> Lay down and close your eyes. <laughs> but I don't even think no, telling I him am. that it's not in my power means anything to him. It doesn't. Like, it's. I'm still just letting him down. Like, yeah. he's still hurt. That I haven't, and it's the same as like when something is lost or yeah. something is broken. He's upset at me. Yeah, that I'm not able to solve, like to solve it, to make that be, to make the world be different for him. That is a really hard thing to deal with. Not only because it's like a lot of pressure. Yeah, but it really plays off of like my feelings that I should be doing more to fix his life, to make things perfect for him all the time. Right. And I also feel guilty. Like, does he think this because I've set our lives up this way to Mm. where he, like I've made him think that I can do all the, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, no. It's my fault. Double get root. Whatever it is, it's your fault. 
and you've ruined it. Yes. That, it definitely plays into that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Katie Bell, as well, has started to venture out of that area. Uh, and I'll get into a little bit of, like, what her expectations of what I can do are. Mm-hmm. But, like, Ellis is the same. Like, it, sadly, it's not Egypt. That's a great. I want to go on that trip. But it's things like, we're going to go to New York this year. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what? Well, mm, yeah. One one day. Yeah. We're going to go to New York. He's going to get to go to the Natural History Museum. He's going to see all the dinosaurs. It's going to be... Because there's two things that are happening in these scenarios. Yeah. One is... They have no sense of understanding that you can't just go. Right. And two, they've created some sort of expectation of an experience yeah. that is that not definitely probably isn't going to yeah. happen. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, we see this on mini scale all yeah. the time around right. the house of like, yeah. oh, I'm going to go to the park and I'm definitely going to, like, we just recently. Did a thing where I went to the little farm his school has, and I could tell, I mean, it kind of turned into a big frustrating event because his expectations of what it would be like to have me there mm-hmm. weren't met because he was so overwhelmed by, I don't know what to do with you now mm-hmm. that we're here, but I clearly had a vision that we'd be doing all these things. Right. Yeah. And I don't know what those things are. Right. And so there's lots, I mean, so. That's already small, right? Like that's the multiple every day. Yeah. But then we know that that's going to happen in this fantasy land yes. as well. When of, the stakes are way higher. When the stakes are we've way actually higher. like put something into that. Yeah. Like a lot into that. And I think these sort of incredible out there sort of fantasy ones, expectations that they have that we can meet, I think... I think it's important to go back and definitely talk about how that makes us feel because we're supposed to take care of everything. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you the small scenario okay. of this. So Katie Bell, forever, for multiple years, ever since she was little, you know, would be like, will you brush my hair and put it in a ponytail? Will mm-hmm. you braid my hair? Will mm-hmm. you put my hair up? Will you put my hair up? Every time I did it, she would take it down. Mm-hmm. And... It was driving me crazy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she's got, like, just that hair that yeah. you can't ugh, keep untangled and blah, 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 blah. And I just sort of made this decision because Ellis was young. I'm not going to do this. I, th- this is something that she desires and mm-hmm. thinks I can do anytime she asks. And I cannot. Mm. Okay? And I don't really want to. It's like, will you pick my clothes out? Yeah. But you're just going to not wear whatever Mm. I pick out for you. And that is time that I really need for Mm. something else. Okay. So we're on this trip with friends. And they've, you know, it's a couple and they've got kids just a little younger than our kids. And Katie Bell's asking me, we're like in the middle of an activity. It's Mm -hmm. not like we're at home sitting around. We're like, we'd gone up to, you know, Airbnb, like a cabin with this other family to like hang out where there was snow. Mm -hmm. So we're like tubing, right? Like a tubing, but it's chaos. Everything's happening. And Katie Bell's suddenly like, will you put my hair up or braid my hair? And I was like, no, this is completely the wrong time for me to do this. And then I hear my friend say, I'll do it. Mm -hmm. and she does it, and it's nice, and it's lovely, 
And I felt like I just told my kid I couldn't time travel her back to Egypt. Mm. I kept thinking, like, here's the smaller version mm-hmm. of that. My yeah. mom can do anything. My parent can do anything. And I began to question myself, mm. why am I not doing this? Mm-hmm. Why am I not meeting this need? Is, you know... Have I neglected her? Am I setting up some sort of thing? Why does this other pair? Why can she do it? And I can't do it. Uh-huh. Right? Like, yeah. and to me, that ties into this, this uh-huh. like, I don't have all the power, because there's the power they think you have. And then there's the power that we think we're supposed to have. Uh-huh. And maybe I'm not that powerful. Hmm. Maybe I don't have that power. Because I think when we talk about these big things, like, no, I can't fly. I can't make you wings. I can't you know, do those things. There's other things like I can't get her or him every outfit that they would like. I can't get every toy. Mm-hmm. I can't take them on the trips they want to. I can't sign them up for music. You know, like there is a limit to the power that I have as their parent because of the limits that I have. Yeah. Right? Right. Yeah. Thinking about the hair thing. Yeah. That is a thing that's like a perfect parent thing. Yeah. It's actually, it makes sense that it's happening with Katie Bell and not Ellis. Like, I think there's, <laughs> there's like levels to this. So yeah. like the level that's that Oscar is at, it's, it's a complete yeah. delusion. Like, yes. I don't understand the way life works. So my parents <laughs> right. are everything. Like, my yeah. parents are the universe, basically. My parents are the universe. Right. Then at Katie Bell's age, it's like she knows that you're not the universe. Right. But she wants something from you that you're not sure you're able to provide for her. Right. Right? Yeah. And that one is actually, it's not smaller. It's actually the more painful one, right? Yeah. Because that's the one where we're like, we're like, we know that our younger kids are wrong. Right. We are not the universe. (laughs) But there's some part of us with the older kids that still wants to be the perfect parent, which is just as unrealistic as us being equal to the universe. Well, and it's not possible. It's not We all have things we're good at and not like... I, yeah. I've had friends bake cupcakes yeah. and cakes for my kids' birthdays because I yeah. don't want to do that. <laughs> right. I don't I'll, I don't want to do that. Yeah. Right. Like, I don't and I but also I it feels overwhelming to yeah, me. Like exactly. it feels like I don't know if I could really do it. Right. Like I don't know if I it feels like how you described like that scenario where like we're on this trip and we're tubing and like yeah. everything's crazy. Like I can't be braiding hair right now. Like to me that's I would I would be like, I could braid hair anywhere. Yeah. But I can't cook for anyone in that scenario. (laughs) Right. You know what I mean? Like, that's too crazy because it's not, it's, we just all have things that That we are willing to do versus not willing to do. And that feel easy to us because we like them or something. And I think when you add multiple children to the scenario, there becomes a little of the like, no, I can't meet this expectation. Yet I'm meeting 
this other's expectation. Yeah. And sometimes that swaps. Yeah. But I'll admit it's a little unfair for the oldest. Yeah. True. And I'm witnessing that, you yeah. know, as I do it. Yeah. And that leads to yet another thing I'm up at night worrying about, right? Like, yeah. am I communicating the idea to one that I can do anything and not to mm. the other? But then there's the, at a certain age, you can't be. And you yeah. have to help your children understand that you are not the center of the universe yeah. and that you cannot do anything and that they are capable of doing it. And that's a hard place to be, too, yeah. because it's a big shift, right? Like, yeah. like, it's one thing to disappoint Oscar with not being able to go to ancient Egypt. Yeah. Because, like you said... It's a little, like, in your own mind, you're like, this is very silly. Yeah. And it's much easier for me to be like, this just isn't going to happen, whether you understand it or not. Yeah. And with the other stuff, yeah, I would like to think I could provide, I had the power to provide my kids with whatever education I thought would be best. You know, if I could provide them with, you know, the every clothing item they wanted to do or, you know, haircuts or yeah. like whatever, whatever. Like actual things. Actual things. That, that are like, that could be attainable, but yeah. just aren't right but now. But just aren't attainable, yeah. right? Like, and oh. that's a hard one to be yes. like, you know, yeah. that's a, well, can we get this? Yeah. You don't know. Yeah. Or like, or like, can you go on the field trip? Yeah, can you go on the you field know, trip? I know? really would like to. I cannot do yeah, it. Yeah, can't day. do it. Yeah, yeah. And those began to be like, can't we just go to ancient Egypt? One Bed Mother is supported in part by Postmates. When you need red wine at 4 p.m., sushi at 9 p.m., a breakfast burrito at 8 a.m., and ibuprofen at 10 a.m., you're a parent! <laughs> Postmate it! Postmates is your personal food delivery, grocery delivery, whatever kind of delivery <laughs> service all year round. 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, Postmates will bring you what you need within the hour. No more trips to the store. You don't even have to know where the store is. (laughs) Download the app for iOS or Android for free. Browse local restaurants and businesses and track your delivery in real time. For a limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. To start your free deliveries, download the app and use code BADMOTHER. That's code BADMOTHER for $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Anything you need, anytime you need it. Postmate it. Download Postmates and save with code BADMOTHER. Hey, you know what it's time for this week's Genius and Fails. This is the part of the show where we share our genius moment of the week, as well as our failures, and feel better about ourselves by hearing yours. You can share some of your own by calling 206-350-9485. That's 206-350-9485. Genius fail time, Teresa. Genius me. Wow. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I saw what you did. Oh, my God. I'm paying attention. Wow. You, Mom, are a genius. Oh, my 
God, that's fucking genius. Okay, so Oscar is taking soccer. Uh, it's his first time taking a sport at all. Okay. And he doesn't know how to play soccer. Sure. He is five and a half years old. He's taking it because it's what is offered at school. Right. On the day that school gets out an hour earlier than normal. <laughs> right. And so, like, it's convenient for me for yeah. him to go and do that. But he did want to take the class. So I was like, great. This is great. Yeah. Well, he goes to the first class. He says it was okay. After the second class, I go and he's just sitting out. And when I take him home, he's like, I don't like soccer. You know, I don't I don't like it. Yeah. It's not fun. Whatever. And part of me was like, I'm so annoyed because I kind of knew this was going to happen. I've already paid for it. And this yeah. is like a whole thing. And like, I wish you could just stick it out and like try to learn how to play so that it could be fun. Yeah. But these are all thoughts in yeah, my head. Sure. But I'm like thinking about it. And what I thought about was, okay, Oscar is, he has his own style and I've watched him in group settings before and seeing what his challenges are as far as like participating and yeah. following what's going on. And I thought to myself, you know what? It probably isn't fun for him because it's probably moving too fast for him and he probably doesn't understand what's happening. Right. I'm going to call the coach. Ooh. And this is like one of those things where I'm so still dealing with my like school trauma with Grace from yeah. a year ago, two years ago. That, like, talking with teachers and coaches and people right. is very triggering for yeah, me. Yeah, sure. Like, for, triggering for my anxiety. Yeah. Like, it just I brings up a lot of feelings. But I thought to myself, I might, this might be fine. I think I have some ideas for the coach that yeah. might make a difference for Oscar. Called the coach, introduced myself. He was very nice. He was receptive. This was not the first time he'd had a call like this. <laughs> he thought that my ideas were great. He was looking forward to it. And he said, let's just keep talking. We'll keep working at it. Sure enough, the third class, I go and pick him up. And I come over and he's standing with the coach. And the coach says, so what do you think, Oscar? How was it this week? Was it better? And Oscar said, yeah, it was better. Huge smile on his face. Oh, Teresa. And it was like, okay, like, and I know that this does not necessarily mean the rest no. of the thing is going to be great. But I was like, I did a thing that had enough, that like made a difference. This yeah. was in my power. I didn't, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't too scared to do it. I didn't make a big thing out of it. I just tried a thing and it made a difference. And I, I'm really happy. I, I am so glad to hear that. And I, you know, I really feel that the genius is that you pushed yourself to do it given it's not your comfort zone yes. because of your experience. Exactly. It's sort of like, you know, you date a bunch of jerks yeah. and then like you finally date somebody who's really great and yeah. you're like, oh, this isn't the person for me forever. <laughs> right. But this person's teaching me that I can actually not hang out with jerks. Yes. Right? Exactly. Like, I'm so glad. Thank Good you. Good job. Thanks. It's October. So it's time to take out the Halloween decorations. Now, anyone who has listened to the show for a very long time knows that I might have some control issues and very specific ideas about where things should go <laughs> and how they should go up. And I've tried to be cool. Okay. I've tried to be cool. Have you, though? Kind I'm of. just kidding. Yeah. yeah. I know. For like a minute. Okay. And then uh, it's not in my power to be cool. <laughs> Katie Bell. 
never, just never, just never worked. And that, that it's okay. Wait, what do you mean? Just like she just, I just did, I couldn't let go when she wanted to put things up. Okay. Right. right. Like I just was like, no, that's no. horrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, let me show you. Oh, how I'm to do it. I mean, there yeah. are so many strengths that Katie Bell has, and I yeah. have I have honked that horn multiple times <laughs> on the show. So yesterday was a crazy day. Too much, too much was going on, and we pull out the decorations, and I'm just like, I don't have it in me to to do this. Stefan, you and Ellis can do the inside of the house, and Stefan's like, really. <laughs> Uh, really? And I was like, he goes, but you're so good. Where? Yeah. I was like, uh-huh. I'll just do the window thing. But other than that, let's see what happens. Katie Bell, you know, who's a teen. She's not. She's 10. I uh, was like, great. <laughs> just went to her room. She yeah. didn't really want to do it. Yeah. Ellis, five and a half, uh-huh. was so into it. And did such a good job. Like, I literally, like, looked around at all the different places he wanted to hang things. Mm-hmm. And it was brilliant. He put things in places that I would never have done. Wow. And they looked so great. Wow. And I just was like, Stevan, like, he did such a good job That's at this. So like, cool. He was so good. Wow. I know. And I, I know it's so silly that I sound so excited about this. But no, like, it's really cool. It was so yeah. cool, A, that I could just be like, I don't, I'm going to let it go. And two, that like, it wound up being something he was really good at and that like he was really into and he was so excited about it. And I just don't feel like I have enough of those stories about Ellis. And like, I just... It was like overall, I just yeah. was like, this is a joy. That's so great. Yes, thank you. Good job. Thank you. Hi, this is Teresa. I'm calling with a genius. With all of the back to school activity, my kids need pictures, family pictures, pictures of themselves for the all about me posters for the family tree projects, what have you. I never had pictures available. So, what I've started doing is taking all of the extras from their school pictures and putting them into a folder. And then when I get family pictures, I print off a couple of extra. I put those in the folder too. Then whenever my kid says, I need a picture of me for a poster, or mom, I need a family photo, I have a bunch of them available. This just saves so much time running and getting pictures printed, scrambling to find them, or just saying forget it and avoiding the project altogether. Thanks, Ms. and Teresa, you're doing a great job. I mean, my brain broke. Yeah, this is, I'm kind of mad at you because I'm like, why have I not been doing, like, it's, yeah, this is so annoying every year. And I I never see it coming. I never see it coming. Every year. And why? Because it's every year. It's every year. In every class. FYI. At some point. It goes on for a while. Yes. It's not like. Oh, it's not like this is the only year year. they want a family photo. Yeah, or individual photos. They're like. This is so good. It's so good. It's so good. Thank you for reminding us <laughs> that we have brains. You're so <laughs> genius. Failures. Fail, 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 fail. You suck. Fail me, Teresa. Jesse and I, over the weekend, both got groceries on the same day without talking to each other about it. 
Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's. Yeah. Yeah. I, wow. Yeah. We have a limited amount of yeah space. Yeah. So. Eat up. Yep. Wow. Yeah. That's something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it speaks to multiple levels. It but does. how you're failing. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. I, and you know, look, I know. I get it. We're all self-care ebbs and flows. This is as good as we can do. Right? But I was really excited at the end of last year that I had been working so hard to make, like, the yoga time for me to be something that was consistent. Yeah. Even if consistent meant three times during the week. Yeah. It was helping so much Mm -hmm. with my brain, and it was helping just physically. I felt really good. And, you know, I knew that summer... It wasn't going to yes. happen as much, but now that school's back, it was supposed to, and it just, it has it. I mean, Stefan was traveling, and to be fair, that happens. You know, I've tried different schedules. Like, I'll do it nighttime after Ellis has gone to bed, but then it seems to be the one day he constantly has meetings, right? Like, mm. it's, or I just have too much going on because it still feels like the first week yeah. of school, even though it's not. The fall is really fall hard. Fall is hard, really and hard. like... I just really, as a result, now feel the physical results of not doing it. It's like yeah. it's like it's like a drug. You taste it, and yeah. you're like, "This is so good. I want to live and feel like this all the time. Yeah, this is important." And then when you no longer are getting it, yeah, I feel it. Like yeah. I feel the mental drain, and I feel the physical drain, and I just. Don't know how to get back into the rhythm of it a little mm-hmm. bit. Sort of like at the beginning of the show, you're like, eh, my brain, I don't even know where I am. Yeah. I like I could tell how somebody how it? to get back into right. it if somebody was asking yeah. me. Yeah. But I'm like, how am I going to do that? Yeah. Anyway, so it's yes. where I am. I don't know. I hear you. Ebb and flow. Yep. Hi, One Bed Mother. I'm calling with um, what just turned into a double fail because... It's bath time at our house. I have a two-year-old and a baby, and I was having the two-year-old sit on the potty to try to go pee-pee before the bath, and um, some of the pee naturally shot out of the bowl. And while I was paying attention to that, my baby, who is in the pre-crawling stage and has a penchant for uh, tasting hard surfaces when he's on them, put his face down in some of the puddle area, and I'm pretty sure he consumed some of the pee. So it's sterile. Right? And uh, that's okay. We're in the bath now. We're going to clean it all up. <laughs> but um, then just as I was calling you, literally, I looked at the washing machine, which is in the bathroom, and it is very clear that I have washed a diaper. And there's that hygroscopic gel all over everywhere. So it's going to be a long night here. You guys are doing a great job. I am letting my baby consume human waste. Thank you for listening. Bye. Mm. Wow. Yeah. yeah. This is, this is, yeah, it's a fail. It's a nightmare. Here's the thing is that, like, you have, this is how fails can work. The fail first, the pee flying out of the bowl. For me, I have very low bandwidth for, like, being okay with that. That there, it feels like, ah. Uh. And then your baby, I really like the spin you put on this by saying, I have a baby who likes to taste hard surfaces, has a pension for tasting hard surfaces. Yeah, okay, we know that those exist. And, of course, 
That baby is wandering over while you're trying to clean up and probably has licked some essence of pee. Good news is, is if your baby is constantly licking hard surfaces, probably not the worst. <laughs> now, <laughs> you think, I am emotionally trying to get over this thing that's just happened that yeah. makes me feel like I'm failing. And like looking over your shoulder and finding a ghost, you see the laundry and that you're washing a diaper. And that's, I think that's worse than what just happened. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, I don't have time yeah. to like, I haven't like, ah. Yeah. And it's just like spinning at you yeah. like a... Some sort of like crazy, you know, art project in yeah. high school, like failure, 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 just going around and around at you. But it's also kind of it's a gift that you <laughs> discovered it when you did, because yeah. I feel like when you find that out after your baby licks pee off the ground, yeah. you're just like, oh, and of course, of course. there's a diaper in yeah. the wash that's that's gonna suck whereas like uh, if you've discovered it another time you might have, you might have like been really upset about it well yeah that's why you're kind of taking it in stride i was yeah. impressed by how you uh, took no, it. she took that well i was it is like if it happens that same night and like, you, know, you don't discover it yeah and you're like i'm finally over yeah. the pee incident right <sighs> so calm now just I'll go gonna switch open the laundry, the laundry. Yeah. oh well, good. Here's to all of our fails compounding upon one another as rapid as possible. You're doing a horrible job. <laughs> you are the greatest mom I've ever known. I love you. I love you. When I have a problem, I call you. One Bad Mother is supported in part by Michelin. Parents, we've all been there. You're driving down the road. Your kids are napping in the back seat. Finally, you're thinking about what to make for dinner when suddenly another car swerves in front of you. It's probably a parent trying to get something for dinner. Anyway, you slam on your brakes and for a split second, you're terrified if you're going to stop in time. You want tires that perform well with every stop, and that's where Michelin comes in. Because stopping safely consistently matters. The average family will stop some 90,000 times throughout the life of a tire. Michelin builds their tires to perform across every diaper run, pickup, drop-off, and road trip. So next time, when you're looking for new tires for the family car, consider Michelin Premier All-Season Tires. Michelin. Performance every time. Hey, Teresa, let's call someone today. <music> Teresa, this week we are calling Dr. Darcy Lockman, who is a clinical psychologist and author of All the Rage, Mothers, Fathers, and the Myth of Equal Partnership. Her first book, Brooklyn Zoo, chronicled the years she spent working on a psychiatric unit at a city hospital. Her writing has appeared in the New York Times, the Washington Post, and the Atlantic. Welcome, Dr. Lockman. Thank you. Before we get in, to, I mean, we've just said the title of the book. Uh, yep. uh, just while everybody is letting that soak in, I'm going to ask you who lives in your house. <laughs> okay. 
So in my house, um, in addition to me, is my husband, George, who's also, like me, a psychologist. And our two daughters, Liv and Tess. Liv is 10. Tess is about to turn 7. And after I finished writing the book, it was our promise to our kids that we could get a puppy. So we now have a one-year-old dog in our house as well. Rita. Whoa! <laughs> you get oh, that's a whole book in its own. Yeah, the, it is, the yeah. pet division of labor. Um, oh man! <laughs> wow, your mistake was not saying when I finish promoting the finished book. We'll get. I know you're right. I was not thinking ahead. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. All right, all the rage, mothers, fathers, and the myth of equal partnership. I, I almost want to just skip right to tips. <laughs> you got yeah. any tips, yeah. but, but can you, yeah, can you just right. say that? So how do we fix yeah, this? So how do we get around this? But, well, you know, it's, it's such a, it's a great question, and it's one that I am inevitably asked. And sure. the reason I wrote the book was um, kind of reflective of the way I think as a human being and mm. also as a therapist which is that there are simply no easy solutions, but the more understanding we have right. and deep appreciation for a phenomenon, the better position we're in to kind of eke out something that works better for us. So the book, um, what I really wanted to do was unpack the problem. Mm. You know, it's sort of yeah. like an AA, the, right, the AA cliche, you have to um, admit you have a problem in order for there to be any work on it. So the book really looks at this kind of like pervasive um, societal problem in order to help people have a fuller understanding that will help them live in a way that's more in line with what they want. Okay. Yes. That is probably one of the scariest things about opening this book. I fully agree that it is the way to start, you know, the conversations in this process. But, you know, in all seriousness, like the book kind of sat next to my bed and I was like, I, I, I already know some of what this is going to bring up for me when I open this book. And I think about like, you know, the pebble in the dam, Right, like, or the yeah. you know person the behind finger, the curtain, yeah. where you're like, yeah. Some sometimes the curtain is better. Teresa, you were saying at the start of the show, yeah, like Biz and I, you know, we're both in heterosexual yep. married relationships with young kids, and thinking about this topic is really like scary, just genuinely scary because it feels really real. It feels like an actual problem. Mm-hmm. But because I don't feel like I know how to fix it, I'm I'm just sitting here going like, well, but I love my family, so <laughs> I just won't. I like I don't want to have bad feelings about this, yeah, life right. that I right. that I have that I've worked so I hard. Understand. You know, and so let me just right. get right into the like the start of the book. It's, your book is based on data and research, and you spoke to so many couples when you were writing the book. And in the book, you write, division of labor in the home is one of the most important equity issues of our time. Yet at this rate, it will be another 75 years before men do half the work. We've done enough setup now. Tell us, right. tell right. us about your experience and what it was like to write this book. So the book began as a question that I could not get out of my head, which was, why are we still living this way? 
Um, though my husband and I are both professionals and we're totally progressive and egalitarian. And before we had kids, we would have said, of course, we're going to share everything. That wasn't how it went. Yeah. You know, my husband's a really loving dad involved with his kids. But um, the, the stuff about managing our house and the kids' lives really all fell to me in a way that didn't feel on purpose and also didn't feel changeable. And then, of course, it wasn't just us, but all the women I knew were having this experience. So pretty much every day I found myself thinking, why are we still living this way? Why are we still living this way? And after a few years, I thought, oh, okay, well, I used to be a reporter. I'm going to answer this question. I'm going to, you know, I really, I really, it was this burning question. So that's the origin of the, of the book, seeing um, the kind of dual career couples around me all living in this way that they wouldn't have said they wanted. So I wanted to to figure it out. And writing it was, let's see, so that's the origin. The writing of it was was amazing because I found out so much interesting stuff. Yeah. So I totally enjoyed doing the research. I mean, it made me really angry <laughs> because the more I dug into the research, the family studies research, sociology, yeah. gender studies, all of it, the more I saw this like systemic and pervasive undercutting of women and their ability to live like fuller, freer lives because of the proportion of the kind of unpaid domestic labor that falls on them, no matter their kind of ethnic background, socioeconomic status, um, you name it. This is like just a huge pervasive problem in the West where people actually consider it problematic and in, in, communities and countries where it's not a problem. I mean, in India, women do like 90% of the unpaid domestic labor. Uh, U.S., it's about um, 65%. So we're not the worst off, um, and, but, but we're in more of a position to kind of combat it because our society is at least, you know, always on the verge of <laughs> moving toward more social justice, I, I think. No, I, I agree. I, I You can, despite how long it takes and many issues, we sometimes eventually get there be it not perfect in lots of areas of social justice but i you said something that hit so hard i like i it's that it's the surprise it's the we're going into this with one expectation that we know is going to be how it's going to be and then you wake up and you're like it's not that way i'm really exactly. struggling and, yes. and 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 as teresa said it didn't feel like anybody's fault that it wound up that way. It just was. And you don't also hate your partner. I want to get into everything. But let's first get into this notion that all women are put upon and all men are complete morons. You actually did a thing where you encountered over and over again while talking with heterosexual couples with kids that there's a difference and perception about how the equality of the workload is supposed to be at home? Well, the difference is usually in the perception. I mean, women are, I can't say universally, but many women are yeah. very angry about this setup in their homes. And their husbands tend to see, or partners tend to see things as more equal than they are. So this shows up both in the research and, you know, the kind of journalistic interviews I did. I heard the same thing over and over again from men, which was that they did quite a lot. And I think that, you know, children add so much work to one's life yeah. um, that, that when they come along, everyone feels like they're doing more and everyone is. It's just um, sort of a matter of like the amount that each partner is taking on, both in terms of like physical labor, like dropping off and picking up places. And then also like the mental labor of keeping track of 
who needs to go to the doctor and who needs a birthday present for the party they're going to over the weekend and what morning is, you know, early morning at school, all that stuff that kind of um, mothers tend both anecdotally and in the research to keep in their heads much more than fathers. Yeah. So you then get into biology and I want to, I would love for you to talk to us about that. It's, it's because we're just born that way, right? Women just naturally are able to do that. And men aren't. Men are right. Right. <laughs> you know, it's right. It's just natural it's that women just think about other people all the time. Na- it's evolution. <laughs> it's just natural. It's just natural. So, um, I, I love the language of of the academy, right? So I'm yeah. reading all this stuff, and there's something called the naturalistic fallacy. Uh, yes. Meaning, if we if we see it all around us. We tend to assume it's because it's natural. I mean, that's not true. I mean, clearly only females can gestate and birth babies, but that's pretty much where the biological differences end in terms of parenting. Um, In fact, men who spend um, intimate time in contact with pregnant women, close time, their hormones, the same hormones that rise in the pregnant woman, rise in her partner Mm. um, to a different, same proportion, but different degrees. So there's a lot of evidence in terms of evolutionary biology that men were actually biologically predestined to be involved parents as well. I mean, it only makes evolutionary sense, especially given that 150,000 years ago, women were much more likely to die in childbirth. There had to be another adult around who was ready to attach to a baby in order for um, the species to survive and thrive. So we, we though have all these misconceptions about biology. Um, we don't, we don't know that. I mean, I couldn't believe I didn't know that thing about hormones until I started doing research yeah. for the book. Like, why don't, why don't we kind of culturally know this? And when they measure physiological responses to newborns, men and women look exactly the same. New parents look exactly the same. You cannot differentiate by gender. There have been now neuroimaging studies comparing different groups of parents, primary care mothers, secondary care fathers, so the fathers who aren't, you know, staying home with the babies, and then primary care dads. And in in this one study, they were looking at um, gay fathers who'd adopted. There was no maternal involvement. And what they found was that the um, differences in the brain were not by gender, but rather by simply who was spending the most time with their babies. So brain activity looks different depending on what, how much you've learned about how to take care of your baby, not on whether you're a man or a woman. So there's tons of biological evidence that men do this just as naturally as women, though let me say parenting skills are learned and not innate in right. primates, including, including human primates. Well, it's the learned. That's what this all boils down to, right? I mean, like there are, we live with a constant bombardment of tropes and images and sitcoms and Pottery Barn catalogs and, Mm -hmm. you know, of this, of the mom doing one thing and of men doing, I mean, we were even saying at the beginning, like, you know, men's work is hard work. It's the hard work. (laughs) And like, I mean, like that is a trope that easily I was raised, you know, like, I mean, I was you know, a kid of the 70s and 80s. And so that was not necessarily the trope in our house, but it was around. You know I mean? We yes, were coming exactly. off of that. It we, was around. It right. was around. That's, that's why it's so hard to change this household by household. Yeah. I, I grew up, too, in the 70s and 80s with a father who was super involved. Yeah. He had, my mom went back to school when I was eight. Yes. My dad had a pretty flexible job. 
he was he was the only dad around. He was always around. Um, but it was around me what the normal way to live as a family was. And yep. The normal way to live as a family was the mom was in charge of all the like the drudge work. Right. Women do the drudge work. Yeah. Well, we called it, we renamed it here, the president of everything, where (laughs) you suddenly discover, like, that, yeah, you're... you're Even if you're not actually the person who has to set the table, you're the one in charge of making sure the table gets Gets set. set. (laughs) Exactly. I'm happy to do it if she asks. Right. Right. Yeah. Something that Just the, tell me like, what to the do. women would say to me, well, he's yeah. happy to do it if I ask. Yeah. You know, it's sort of a way that women deny their own anger. You know, it's as you were saying, Teresa, at the beginning, like you love your husband. You don't want to be angry at him. And look, if you're not angry at him, that's fine. Mm. But it's different yeah. to say I'm not <laughs> angry at him than it is to say I don't want to be angry at him. You know, one is aspirational and right. one is actual. And right. I think, you know, dealing with the actual is probably pretty important. Well, because, I mean, to me... That is the thing that makes this feel like a really hard problem to solve because you can tell your partner what it is that you need. You know, let's, we're going to be open and talk all the time. Here's what I need and great. And then there's the work of reminding. Yeah. There's the work because, and it's not You're still the one saying, here's what, what I, I need. need. Why is it not Why, this is what? We should be doing we, together. Yeah, because we both agree that this is what the kind yeah, of. Why are we both? Because what is the implication of yeah, that? The implication yeah. is that it's my job unless I find someone else to take it over. <laughs> and that's the position a lot of women find themselves in. The mother is in charge unless she's made other arrangements. Right. Unless she's made. We were. Yeah. Yes. I, I'm yes. I uh, hear you. I hear what you're saying. Because I was thinking like, all right, if. If I suddenly something happened and I stepped out of the picture for some reason, like a truck <laughs> hit you, yeah, it hit me while you were while the I was crossing the street. Go on, uh, and happy scenario. I I did have this like weird passing thought the other day of, I guess Stefan would probably hire yeah. people to do yeah. most of what I'm just doing, yeah, for free, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but yeah, that I'm doing for free, like that would be the solution. Yeah, would he be, would have to hire. He would somebody. have to hire yes. somebody, and like yeah. that brought up a, a whole bunch of feels, and like, <laughs> and like again, I. It's so easy to fall back on the tropes in these situations. Like, I want you to talk to us about maternal instinct. Yes. Right. So we have this idea in our culture of maternal instinct. And I'd like you to note that there is no correspondent paternal instinct, right? No one has ever uttered the phrase paternal instinct. Maternal instinct has become kind of code word for moms know best, which kind of um, is a place of honor and esteem, supposedly. But what it really means is mom has to do all the work. Um, and, and there is actually no such thing as the maternal instinct, at least insofar as biologists would use the term instinct. Mm. An instinct is a set of behaviors that happens automatically in response to a stimulus. And human beings don't rely on instincts. We have um, really developed frontal lobes, which allow us to learn uh, and live flexibly in whatever circumstances we find ourselves in. So this idea of the maternal instinct is both used to kind of elevate women to kind of highlight their giving 
self-sacrificing nature, but also um, stands in to really let fathers off the hook for having to ever be in charge. Something that I that I spoke to people about is that men would say, "Well, if you don't like it, if you don't like the way I do it, you're just going to have to do it yourself." Yeah. Um, and and one um, gender studies guy named Michael Kimmel, sociologist, said to me, "You know, if you're at work and you're in charge of writing a report for your team, and your colleagues tell you it's not up to par, do you say to them, well, 'Well, you're just going to have to do it yourself next time'?" Yeah. Of course not. No. Right. That's no way to live in a relationship. So there's this idea in the kind of in social science of maternal gatekeeping, which is what you're talking about, mothers criticizing fathers and then yep. pushing them away from doing stuff. But there's also a chicken and the egg question. Right. You know, what comes first, the father kind of blowing off his responsibilities or the mother being pissed at him? And it really does become this kind of self-perpetuating cycle yes. that both members of the couple really need to take responsibility for. One of the one of the interesting areas of research in kind of gender studies and sociology is um, this idea that women are really, girls are really raised to be communal, to think about other people and their feelings and their needs, whereas boys kind of without parents being conscious of it or teachers being conscious of it are raised to be agentic, to think about their own priorities and comforts. And, you know, the end result of that in heterosexual marriage is you've got one person who's been raised to think about others all the time and one person who's been raised to think a lot more about himself. So there is, you know, there's so much cultural stuff. And I think, you know, I know for me, when I would see my husband's like what became his kind of like glaring incapacity to think about other people's needs. And I say this not as an insult to him. I think this is such a kind of like uh, not inborn, but learned male trait, like yeah. not think about other people. Like, and then I would think it was so foreign to me because I was raised to think about other people all the time. Like what was this person doing who was like putting his need for a cup of coffee first rather than think about the fact that the rest of us were standing out in the cold waiting for him. Like how could that, how could one be that way? And then it would kind of enrage me. Yeah. And then he, had, he would be so pissed at me for, like, suggesting that he shouldn't be thinking about himself and his own needs. So I think there is this kind of, you know, real problem that we have to face of the different ways we're raised to, like, take care and neglect ourselves and one another. So any tips? <laughs> oh, my God. If I could, like, cancel one word from the English language, it would be tips. Yeah, I bet. I bet. My tip is. No, by the way, um, we are not actually a a joke joke because there are no tips for this. This is so (laughs) deep seated in our culture. I'm a therapist. I'm mostly a therapist. And so people always want tools. And I'm always like, go buy a hammer. I know. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, look, what I will say, though, to kind of answer your question is the couples who have the most success in establishing a division of labor that works for both of them are really aware of sexism in our society Mm. and how it is going to infiltrate their relationship if they do not totally stay on top of this dynamic. So, you know, couples decide together as a team that they want to make living in like an equal and harmonious way a really important part of their relationship. And then they just stay on top of this shit. So it really does seem, oh, can I swear on your show? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, it, it really does seem to be a matter of, of a lot of attention. There's a book called Equally Shared Parenting by Mark and Amy Vachon that was written about a decade ago. And they were a couple who decided they were going to live in this way. And they realized how unusual it was. And they started looking for other couples who were doing it. And one of the couples they interviewed for their book said to them, 
um, we decided that what we wanted most was to live as if we were equals. We didn't care about money. We didn't care about career success. We mostly just wanted to be equals. And that quote from that book really stuck in my mind because I thought, oh, my God, they had to want that most of all of everything in order to make it happen. How could that be? And then doing all the research and seeing how I was living and everyone around me was living, I thought, yep, they, they nailed it. We, we mostly just wanted to be equals. It really has to be a shared team priority. I mean, it's hard. You know, but the best, one of the things that I've actually heard from couples who've read the book together yeah. that has been really, um, that's given me a lot of hope, they, they say, like, once they, both of them, really understand how sort of societally determined this is, it, it absolves them of feelings of responsibility and, and guilt and allows them to move forward with living differently mm, in yeah. a way where they're not feeling like a lot of self-reproach or anger at the other. Yeah, it's not like um, a personality so, defect well, that's, or something yeah, that doesn't care. Yeah, yeah. Right, because, exactly. Yeah. yeah, you just said when I realized I thought it was just me and then I talked to all these people yeah. and they it was I, – I think that definitely is a key. It's not – it, it is the norm. <laughs> it is the norm that yeah. this is happening. And, right. I, yeah, I really like the idea of, of everybody in a partnered relationship reading it together as opposed to me just going over and hiding it under Stefan's pillow <laughs> or passively, aggressively putting it in different places in the house. Or that- following him around the house reading passages aloud, <laughs> which is what women emailed me they were doing. That's also, I thought that was hilarious. Yep. yep. That is, yeah. And Biz, you you said, and everybody in partnered relationships. Yeah. And so it's interesting, I think, to also think about how these dynamics yeah. might play out in same gender relationships. Yeah. yeah. Did you? Yeah, it is. You know, I, because the, the book is about sexism in heterosexual relationships, I didn't talk to a ton of gay couples, but it was interesting, the couples that I did talk to, because like one one um, lesbian couple said to me, you know, we really think about the other person and what she's experienced during the day. And then, you know, if she's had a harder day than me, I try to lessen the load when I get home. And then a gay male couple said to me, well, you know, we have the same problems as everybody else in terms of mutuality and thinking about the other. And I thought that's really interesting. Yeah. You're describing what people in relationship with men more, more often have problems with. And the women are describing sort of the strength. And, and actually there's research that shows that of all gendered configurations of couples, lesbians co-parent most harmoniously. Yeah, and I if you think that. about the idea of communality and agency and who is raised with emphasis on what, that it really, that really makes some sense in that context. Yes. Yep. It does. Everybody to the island. <laughs> to our... <laughs> uh, I'm ready. I'm going. I know. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much, Dr. Lachman, for, on all of our behalfs, subjecting yourself to this research. Oh, it was so fun. And this, You're welcome. Yeah. I, I really appreciate it. And I, I'm going to just say now, we really need to have you back to talk even more about this because like we talk about it in our own ways on the show but to talk to somebody who has the research and the background (laughs) is probably more helpful and I yeah I just this is a remarkable book and just to everybody out there it's worth pulling the pebble out and letting the dam break it it absolutely (laughs) is so um thank you so much uh, well, thank you. I'll come back anytime. Just call me. Absolutely. Oh, we will. I, I, I might just call you 
and not about the show. Hi, <laughs> I am in the middle. Do you how? have time for yeah. another client? That's right. How could you? <laughs> how could he just step over that cat puke for a whole oh week? Oh my god! Anyway, just, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Struggle is real. Ida, thank you so much. We'll link everybody up to where they can get a copy of the book. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. quite like sailing in the calm international waters on my ship, the SS Biopic. Avast! It's actually pronounced biopic. No, you dingus! It's biopic! Who the hell says that? It's biopic. Because it's the, the words word for biography and picture. If you... All right, that is enough. Ahoy! I'm Dave Holmes. I am the host of the rebooted podcast formerly known as International Waters, designed to resolve petty but persistent arguments like this. How? By pitting two teams of opinionated comedians against each other with trivia and improv games, of course. Winner takes home the right to be right. What podcast be this? It's called Troubled Waters, where we disagree to disagree! Hi, I'm Joe Firestone. And I'm Manolo Moreno. And we're the hosts of Dr. Game Show, which is a podcast where we play games submitted by listeners regardless of quality or content with in-studio guests and callers from all over the world. And you can win a custom a magnet. A custom magnet. Subscribe now to make sure you get our next episode. What's an example of a game, Manolo? Pokemon or medication. How do you play that? You have to guess if something's a Pokemon name or a Medi- medication. Medication. First time listener, if you want to listen to episode highlights and also know how to participate follow dr game show on facebook instagram and twitter we'd love to hear from you it's really fun for the whole family we'll be every other wednesday starting march 13th and we're coming to max fun snorlax pokemon yes nice oh yeah just gonna leave all that out there Mm -hmm. we didn't get in to like half of what i would have loved to have talked about guys I was terrified to open this book because it's scary and to like really have to confront it. And it's, it's, it's worth pulling the pebble out guys. It's, it's a lot, but we're all dealing with it. And the only way to get past it is to constantly confront it. So yay. Again, the book is all the rage mothers, fathers, and the myth of equal partnership. Speaking of myths, myth, myth, yes. <laughs> it's my favorite Muppet joke, guys. Let's listen to a mom have a breakdown. Okay, so I was calling to leave a weird to do this. Well, I, I was feeling okay, and then I heard this. Tell me I'm doing a great job, and I just don't think I am. This week is so hard. My oldest son started kindergarten, and he's excited and scared and all the good things that he should be, and he's getting on the bus all by himself, and I'm not ready for this, and then he gets anxiety, and he's not ready to go, but he has to go, and it just, 
Uh, I feel terrible that I'm, like, forcing him to go some days because it's only been four days now. And two of the days he's been super excited and two of the days he's basically begged to stay home with me, which I don't stay home. I have to go to work. And work has been so overwhelmingly busy. And then I have an 18-month-old who goes to daycare, but now he cries going to daycare because his big brother's not there with him anymore and he misses his brother. And I drop him off and he's looking around and he's saying, brother, brother, and he's looking for his brother to be there with him. And he doesn't want to be alone. And the teachers are nice and they try to help. But he just wants to be with his family and I want to be with my family. But I have to go to work. And there's just so much on my plate. Like, I can't handle it. And I've been on antidepressants for, like, a year because of postpartum. And they're trying to take me off of it because it's making my hands tremor so bad. And they think it's because of that. So now I'm leaning off of antidepressants. And this was a horrible week to choose to do that. And my emotions are just all over the place. And I feel like I'm not a good mom. Okay. That's my rant. I'm on my lunch break, and I have 10 more minutes, so I have to pull myself together and try and be a good employee so I can keep my job and then go home and try and be a good mom, and then my kids go to bed and I have to try and be a good wife, and then get up and do it all again tomorrow. All right, back to work. Thanks for listening. Wow. You are doing such a good job job you are i mean first off i'm just gonna knock the antidepressant thing out yeah Yeah. if my when my medication like was too high all the tremors Mm. (laughs) so Mm -hmm. it was about adjusting but this is the stuff you're talking about with your kids and their like emotional responses to the change of Mm -hmm. the preschool and the kindergarten i feel like that's something we don't ever like, that's not, like, the norm yeah. parenting thing to talk about yeah. with that age group. And that's, like, such a part of that age. Yeah. And, like, if it's happening for your kids, yeah. it's, so like, it happened with my kids yeah. at those ages. And yep. it was so hard. Yeah. I mean. Ugh, it's unbearable. The worst. It's unbearable. Yeah. And it's not, even though you're, even though you know you're not. Like, you know in your mind that you're not responsible for the way they are feeling. Like, you can't fix that necessarily. But we fe- we take it on like we are responsible. Right. Absol- absolutely. I mean, Like, yeah. as though we could fit. I mean, the, this yeah. does play into our topic. It today. does. Like, we take it on as though it's in our power. And that's why you're feeling like a failure because there's some part of your brain that's telling you you should be able to fix this. Yeah. Which is not real. It that's also not ties real. into our guest. Yes, we that's true the too. emotional yeah. labor yeah. of worrying about the emotions of our children. Yeah, and like you clearly are taking the lion's share of that. Yeah, and you can't turn it off. So sorry, <laughs> I mean, because we've all gone through this, where yeah. it's like. I wish I could accept all the things that I know yeah. to be true about what's really happening here. 
and just be able to approach this completely rationally. But you have two very little children in your house, and that alone is enough to throw any sense of rationality right out the window, Mm -hmm. okay? Then you're working full-time, so that's, uh, let's add that to the cake Mm -hmm. of insanity. And you also are in a partner relationship in which we've talked about that dynamic of like, now I have to be a person too, right? Like, and that's a huge weight. And no one feels good seeing their children upset. Yeah. And it kicks us right in the emotional groin. Okay, like it's that's your toddler moment. I wish I could be home too with my family. I don't want to, you know, like we don't acknowledge that we have those exact same feelings at times of, I don't want to. I don't like this. I don't want to go to school either. I want to be with my family all day. I love my little children, right? Some people out there really enjoy being with their three and five year olds all the time. And like. It's okay. It's okay. Feel that way. Yeah. Yeah. But we disregard that one right away. Yeah. And I just everything you're experiencing is like a a lot. It is. And you are not alone. And you really are doing a good job. You're you're doing a good job. I want to add that I think when your sweet little kindergartner is having some anxiety going off to school, that is one of those things that we don't prepare ourselves for as a society. Like, we do ask a lot of our five-year-olds. We really do. <laughs> yeah. We ask a lot of our five-year-olds. And the in some ways, the the setup is set up for them and it's expected that they're going to have a hard time for the first few days and the first few weeks and sometimes the first few months. But we don't, in our minds as parents, we're prepared for, oh, and then when they're in school, yeah, dot, 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 soon they'll be in school, dot, dot, dot. And it's this idea that once they're off to school, all better now. All better. Yeah. Our emotional. Everyone goes to school. I go to work and they'll go to school. We have school and daycare and work. And it's like the reality of that, especially in the first week and the first couple weeks when everybody's just getting into the routine is so different. It's really, it can, especially depending on who your kids are, it can be really, really hard. Yeah. But also like the routine is your friend, you know? Yeah, like, it is. The routine is your friend. And so I just want to acknowledge that those early days are a real place to be, but also that that's not, that is not forever. Like that feeling of like everything being like, are they going to go today? Are yeah. they going to be okay today? Yeah. That is not forever. Yeah. I mean, I think Teresa and I have sat in this room once a week and witnessed this with each other. Yeah. And yeah, I will say sometimes it feels like it goes on forever. Mm -hmm. I mean, it does. And then we'll be talking and I'll be like, hey, that thing changed. I'm not talking about that anymore. (laughs) How'd that happen? You are doing a really good job. Yeah, you are. And you just call back and listen to me tell you that every time you need to. You are doing a good job. Yes, you are. You really are. Teresa, what did we learn today? (laughs) 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 Is this still a comedy show about parenting? (laughs) We learned 
that we are a lot to our kids Mm -hmm. and that there is some emotional repercussions when we realize we can't be and when we have to show our kids and tell our kids that we can't be and the emotional like feelings of wanting to be I would love to be able to put my kid on a plane and take him to New York to the Natural History Museum Mm -hmm. I do I would love to have that power. I don't have that power. I would like to take Oscar (laughs) to ancient Egypt. Mm -hmm. That is all I would like to do. And pet cats inside the Great Sphinx. This would be the most amazing thing. Uh I wish I could always braid Katie Bell's hair when she wants it. You know? I I do. But I, I can't. And I also don't want to. I don't have to. Right? And, like, there's a lot... In all of that. Yeah. Okay. That brings up a lot and plays right into what we talked about with our guest and the division of labor and just how I'm even spending most of my time concerned about that. Right. Like Mm -hmm. that's one more thing I'm president of is, you know, we've talked about this before and I've talked about this with Stefan where. I've said things like, I have these moments where I'm like, does Stefan think about Katie Bell's hair? The way I think about her hair and the fact that she hates it and the fact that we can't find a product that is easy for her to use, for to achieve what she wants. Or, you know, she's struggling learning how to take care of it herself, right? Like, I am. I'm thinking about those things. Yeah. I don't know how to not think about those things. Yeah. I'm not mad at him that he's not thinking about those things. It's just, is he? Mm -hmm. And why might he not be? And that ties into what we were talking about today. And so I just, you know what, everybody? Here's the takeaway. It's a lot of work. And you're doing a remarkable job. Yeah, you are. And we have to keep talking about it. It's a lot, but maybe it'll take a little more off our plate in the long run. And best case scenario, uh, if you've got kids in your house, you can help impact how they walk out in the world and are in relationships later. Or you could just move into their house and be like, is that the right thing to do? Are you being thoughtful? (laughs) Who's in charge of this? Oh, I'll just do it. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody, you're doing a good job. Teresa, you're doing a great job. Thanks, Biz. So are you. Thank you. We will talk to you guys next week. Bye. Bye. I got to low down mama blues. I got to low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. Low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. We'd like to thank Max Bunn, our producer, Hannah Smith, our husbands, Stephen Lawrence and Jesse Thorne, our perfect children who provide us with inspiration to say all these horrible things, and of course, you, our listeners. To find out more about the songs you heard on today's podcast and more about the show, please go to MaximumFun.org slash OneBadMother. For information about live shows, our book, and press, please check out OneBadMotherPodcast.com. 
One Bad Mother is a member of the Maximum Fun family of podcasts. To support the show, go to MaximumFun.org slash donate. Well, daddy, baby, bustin' by, not blow down mama's blues. Oh, said daddy, baby, bustin' by, not blow down mama's blues. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.